As we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let us pray. O Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Give us grace to receive your truth in faith and love, and give us strength to follow the path you have set before us as we seek to follow Jesus. Amen. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from the book of Psalms, Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all the angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded, and they were created. The Lord established them forever and ever. He fixed their bounds, which cannot be passed. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind fulfilling his command, mountains and hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women alike, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. The Lord's glory is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people, praise for all his faithful for the people of Israel who are close to him. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament lesson comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up. Take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son." When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, He was afraid to go there, and after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, 
so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christmas is over, really over. The presents are all unwrapped over. The decorations, at least in here, have come down over. And if we weren't sure whether it was over, this morning's scripture reading leaves no doubt. Jesus is still a baby, and there are soldiers in Bethlehem. It is occupied territory, after all. But these soldiers have orders from King Herod, who has identified Jesus, the baby Jesus, as a threat to his power. Herod tried to use the Magi to identify identify the location of this infant king, but after the Magi find the Christ child and worship him, they are warned in a dream of Herod's true intentions. So they tell him nothing and go home by another way. Herod is so furious at this deception that he orders the death of every child in and around Bethlehem, age two or under. This is definitely not an episode of the Christmas story that appears in our pageant. It is certainly not the Bethlehem we sing about in the Christmas carol, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. In today's text, that Bethlehem is nowhere to be found. Instead, the city has become a place of slaughter and devastation. And yet, why are we surprised? Because what we celebrate at Christmas isn't just the birth of a baby we believe is God incarnate, a baby who will grow up to show us in word and action the depth and breadth of God's love. What we celebrate at Christmas is that this baby, our God incarnate, was born into the real world. And the cruelty of this world, which will brand Jesus a threat and execute him on the cross, doesn't just appear at the end of his life. That cruelty is there from the beginning. It is still a part of our world today. Whether it is Herod, Pharaoh, or Pilate, Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, whether it is Idi Amin, Saddam Hussein, Bashar al-Assad, or Kim Jong-un, there are always tyrants. There are always oppressed people. That's the way the world is. Although we certainly don't enjoy hearing this story so soon after Christmas, we need to remember that the wonder and glory of Christmas morning exist right alongside the ugliness and despair of Herod, then and now. We need to remember Jesus was born into the real world, not the world as we want it to be, but the world as it is. This year for Christmas, someone gave me the book, The Education of an Idealist, by Samantha Power. 
Powers started her career as a journalist covering the mass killing of Bosnian Muslims by the Serbs, and this instilled in her a lifelong personal and academic passion on the topic of genocide. She won a Pulitzer Prize for her book, A Problem from Hell, America in the Age of Genocide, which grapples with the question of why America's leaders, who vowed never again after the Holocaust, have repeatedly failed to stop subsequent genocides. Power was also a foreign policy and human rights advisor in the Obama administration and then the United Nations ambassador. Her book is a fascinating reflection on the clash between idealism and reality. It turns out, she learns, once she's working in the government, which she used to be so critical of, that one country trying to intervene with another, even when that country is clearly violating the basic human rights of its people, is enormously complicated. Power acknowledges these complexities and yet reminds us that just because these decisions are difficult doesn't mean we should simply shrug our shoulders and say, well, that's the way the world is. There is value in hearing today's version of what we would now call Herod's genocide. There is value in naming the evils of our time, for that is always the first step in determining how we might respond to them how we might be what Powers calls upstanders rather than bystanders. Thankfully, in this story, we have an example of such a character. Herod and the doomed children aren't the only ones here. There is also Joseph. Now, Joseph has an underrated role in the Christmas story, But in today's part of the story, he takes charge. He makes crucial decisions to protect his family, to keep his child safe in the face of Herod's rage. He really is a regular guy, trying to do the right thing. He has no power, no army, no roadmap, no mentor or guide, no resources, no bank account. He does have a secret weapon. Is it a lightsaber to call his own? A wayfinder to help him find Herod's secret lair and destroy him once and for all? Did anybody else see the new Star Wars movie this week? No, he doesn't have any of those things. What Joseph has is his dreams. I know it doesn't sound like much, But it's what Joseph has that allows him to protect his family against the power of Herod. Dreams. The first one took place back when he and Mary were engaged. He remembers that night, the feverish tossing and turning, the half-imagined voices, the images of Mary and a baby. Do not be afraid, Joseph, he heard, to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. On the basis of that dream, Joseph does something extraordinary. He sets aside his scruples and his wounded pride and marries his pregnant fiance. Was he ever totally sure? Was there a day in his life that he didn't doubt 
and have to resolve and forgive again? Once again, in today's story, Joseph's dreams play a pivotal role. There are three of them. In the first, he is warned that Herod is searching for his baby, for Jesus to kill him. That dream must have been a doozy because Joseph doesn't even wait for the sun to rise. He took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt. The text makes it sound easy, but imagine that journey with a young baby and a new mother, traveling as refugees into a foreign land, trying to fly under the radar, seeking shelter because a maniacal dictator saw your child as a threat. We don't know much about what happens next, except the awful slaughter of the children, all except the baby Jesus, who is safe now in Egypt. We don't know how long Jesus, Mary, and Joseph stayed there, but certainly it was years before Herod died. And then there are two more dreams. In the first, Joseph learns it's safe to return to Israel, so he does, but then in the second dream, he is told to settle in Galilee, again to keep his family safe from a dangerous ruler. Four dreams of Joseph years apart. These couldn't have been the only dreams Joseph had during those years, but there was something about them, something that inspired Joseph to pay attention and take action. Have you ever had such a dream? A dream from which you awoke in the still of the night inspired to act? Maybe it wasn't a sleeping dream at all, but a vision, an idea, something you couldn't have come up with all by yourself, but which you felt compelled to act on. Have you ever received information, whether from within or without, that radically changed your course? No matter what age or stage of life we are in, we all have dreams. What are the dreams that tug at your heart? Maybe you dream of a relationship reconciled or of a new relationship that brings love, connection, and intimacy to your life. Maybe you dream of a better life for your family or of using your gifts in a new way to make a difference in the world or even in your neighborhood. Maybe you dream of a world shaped by hospitality and welcome rather than fear and oppression. The new year is almost here, and the new year is often a time to make resolutions, to set new goals. But dreams are different than resolutions. They are bigger than goals. Dreams engage the deepest parts of ourselves, and at the same time, they draw us together into community. Dreams commit us to something bigger than ourselves. They challenge us to leave the secure path of least resistance and venture out into the unknown. Dreams are terribly fragile and incredibly powerful. If we cannot dream something, if we cannot imagine it, it cannot come into being. On Christmas Day, 1956, the young writer Harper Lee was in New York City. 
She'd been living there for seven years since dropping out of law school in Alabama to go to New York and pursue her dream of becoming a writer. But life intervened. To live in New York, she needed a job, and the job she found, working as a ticket agent for an airline, left her little time to write. It also left her precious little vacation time, so she couldn't go home to Alabama for the holidays that year. Instead, she spent Christmas with her friends Michael and Joy Brown. That year, Michael had done really well in his work and come into some money, so Lee was a little surprised when she didn't receive a gift from her friends. When they saw her disappointment, they told her to look in the tree instead of under it. Concealed in the branches, she found an envelope addressed to her, and inside there was a sheet of paper that said, you have one year off from your job to write whatever you please. Merry Christmas. Lee thought the gift had to be a joke, and when the Browns insisted otherwise, she protested, it's too big a risk, she told them. Michael Brown said to Harper Lee, no, honey, it's not a risk. It's a sure thing. Later, Lee wrote, I went to the window, stunned by the day's miracle, a full, fair chance for a new life, not given me by an act of generosity, but by an act of love. Our faith in you was really all I heard them say. I would do my best not to fail them. Harper Lee used that year to begin the novel that in 1960 was published as To Kill a Mockingbird, one of the most beloved books in American literature, a book that paved a stretch of road on the way to the dream of an America that lives up to its ideals of freedom and justice for all. It's a powerful thing to pay attention to the dreams of others it's a powerful thing to pay attention to our own dreams. In Joseph's case, it was a matter of life and death. Could it be that the stakes are always that high? That failing to pay attention to our deepest dreams and the dreams of others means that a part of us dies? In the 1960s, Martin Luther King shared his dream with the nation Think of how many lives have been lost fighting for that dream. How many lives are still stunted because of our collective failure to enact that dream. And of how many lives take flight when we dare to live into that dream in new ways. Yes, Christmas is over, but that's okay. Because with the wonder of Christmas over, we can return to the real world. And today's story reminds us that that's exactly where Jesus was born. Into the real world. A world of joy and beauty and wonder. And also a world of injustice and violence and murderous tyrants. It is in that world where God speaks to us through our dreams. Dreams we can't let go of. Dreams that inspire us to act boldly.
dreams that make a way for joy to flourish, justice to roll down, and love to have the final word. That's what Christmas is about in the end, an unlikely appearance of love in the midst of the world's harshest realities. That's what our deepest God-given dreams are about, too, possibility, where it looks like there are no possibilities, solutions for problems that stubbornly resist them, hope in the face of despair, love in response to the hatred of the Herods of our time. This year, may God grant each of us and all of us the courage of Joseph, the courage to listen to and act on our wildest dreams. Amen.